0: Jim Moon is not a stranger to many of you, and I welcome him now to take the stage and and give us a message on what God has laid on his heart. Good morning, Jim. Okay. He's got the handy dandy technology, hands free. Does this work? Yeah, it does. I was born in 1950 in Wisconsin. And um, as long as I can remember, my family brought me to church every Sunday, went to Sunday school and church. Um, In the 1950s, most Americans went to a church. Uh, And um, That has changed, Um, and now we're in 2016, and America is much different from America in the 1950s. One of the problems of going to church in 1950 was um, the motivation was different. I I know my family went to church because my parents wanted to be seen as good people. It was an expectation of of American culture that you go to church every Sunday. And uh, much later, uh, us us kids found a personal relationship with Jesus and our parents learned how to be a Christian from from their children. Uh, And then we went to church because we wanted to go to church to learn how to follow Jesus. And we wanted to be with other Christians. Um, So um, one of the advantages of living in America in 2016 as a Christian is we have an easier time doing nonconformity um, because um, many many of the people we know uh, would kind of maybe shake their heads. I'm I'm going to church this Sunday. Oh, really? So uh, we we start to get into nonconformity, and that's good. Um, I'm going to read, I'm going to start uh, reading a very familiar sentence from the Bible, Romans 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. So... uh, we want God to transform us and the transformation starts with our thinking, with our mind and um, when when God changes our mind or transforms our mind we we can understand better what he wants us to do and we can understand better why that's a good idea. Um, So the Christians in, in the Roman Empire, the early Christians, were nonconformists. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about um, what they did that was different from the, the culture. A, a few things that I, I, could talk, I, I could talk about a lot of things that they did differently, but I want to talk about a few things they did differently. Um, the first thing they did differently was they they decided they wanted to follow Jesus. And um, they were in a very small minority of people who wanted to follow Jesus. And they were breaking the law. Um, the Roman Empire, when, when, when Rom- Roman soldiers conquered a country, um, the Roman Empire allowed the people to to stay in their religions. So there was freedom of religion in the Roman Empire for religions that were in place when they conquered a country. But they did not allow any new religions. Um, And uh, during the first century, uh, the Jewish religious leaders convinced the Roman Empire that Christianity was not part of Judaism, it was a new religion, and it was illegal. Um, it was a capital crime. If if uh, uh, the government wanted to accuse you of being a Christian, the penalty was death. So um, early Christians uh, started off following Jesus as nonconformists. Yeah, that, that's a. And um, they they took precautions to protect themselves. Uh, there were there were secret meetings when when it was needed, um, but um, they were serious. Because it it was it was not expected of them. It was something they did uh, in in defiance of the law. So. Um, Uh, And because Christianity was illegal, the people of the Roman Empire thought, wow, why is Christianity illegal? It must be a really dark cult. It must must be a strange thing that people get brainwashed in. Um, There were rumors about uh, Christians eating a body and drinking blood, and people decided, wow, you know, it's, it's a very dangerous thing. So if, if being a Christian was a capital crime, punishable by death, why did people in the Roman Empire become Christians? Because they did. Uh, down through the, the first couple centuries, uh, many people in the Roman Empire became Christians. And so why, why did they do that? Um, I have an academic book in my library that's, that's kind of interesting, um, um, because the, the standard answer of historians as to why so many people in the Roman Empire became Christians is there was a religious vacuum, and Christianity uh, came along at the right time and filled that vacuum. Uh, the writer of this book, I, I, I forget what his name is, and y- you probably don't want to read it anyways. It's kind of boring, but I'll summarize it. Um, he said, that's nonsense. Uh, religions in the Roman Empire were very active. And he's, he has a list of figures about the amount of money that people gave to religions in the Roman Empire, and the, the amount of visitors each temple had. And um, he goes, goes through this, evidence for about 150 pages, and um, then he says, uh, if people didn't become Christians because there was a religious vacuum, why did people become Christians? And uh, he said there, there were two groups in the first few centuries of, of the Christian era, there were two groups of people that, where many people became Christians. Slaves and soldiers. Um, Why would slaves become Christians? Well, if you were a slave and you got sick, you couldn't afford to, to go to a doctor. And if your master didn't want to pay for you to go to a doctor, you had to deal with your sickness. And word spread that Christians were willing to pray for healing And when they prayed for healing in Jesus' name, their prayers had power. And there there was a good chance that you would be healed. And so um, that that word spread around the the community of slaves and uh, many slaves went to Christian slaves and asked for prayer and uh, many were healed. So uh, slaves got the idea that Um, Jesus was powerful. The Christian God was powerful, and uh, it was was a good thing that that, uh, he was willing to heal. Um, Roman soldiers saw a different kind of miracle than miracles of healing because they had the job of putting Christians to death when, when Christians were arrested, it, it was the job of the Roman soldiers to put the Christians to death. And um, usually when, when you put somebody to death, especially for, for a strange reason, like they have the wrong religion, um, pe- people would react with anger when they, when they were being killed or cursing, uh, calling God to, to punish the people who killed them unjustly Uh, when Christians were being killed they prayed for their killers which is a very nonconforming thing to do Um, they they worshipped Jesus and they prayed for the people who were killing them and that made an impression on Roman soldiers um and where did they learn how to do that? Well, when Jesus was, was being killed, he, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So they took their cue from Jesus. Um, so many Roman soldiers became Christians because of what they saw. Um, I remember an old story. I, I, I wasn't able to trace it down to get numbers accurate or not, but um, there, there, was, there was a, a Ro- Roman army unit, and the commander discovered that 15 of his soldiers were Christians, and so he ordered them to stand on a frozen lake all night and, um, uh, so that they would freeze to death. And as, as they were standing on this frozen lake in a circle, these 15 soldiers said, kept, kept repeating, 15 brave soldiers for Jesus. 15 brave soldiers for Jesus. And then uh, when one of them died, then 14 brave soldiers for Jesus. And, and uh, that's, that's the story I heard. It's quite a picture. Um, the, the, the other thing of nonconformity that, that really impresses me is Christian behavior during plagues a plague was when um, a sickness came to a city and spread quickly and people started dying and nobody knew what to do about it nobody knew what the sickness was and nobody knew how to how to keep from dying so um, people in the Roman Empire when there when a plague struck the city whoops I guess that's when a plague struck the city, they, they, they got out of the city as fast as they could. Um, if they had a place to live, uh, a summer home or something, they, they would go to that. And So the roads were crowded with people trying to move out of the city to escape being killed. And at the same time, Christians were going into the city because they saw it as an opportunity to serve sick people and serve dying people. And of course, the Christians died from the plague while they were nursing people, but uh, they also brought glory to Jesus. So uh, when Emperor Constantine lifted the, the law that um, persecuted Christians, um, there, there were many, many, many people in the Roman Empire who were Christians. And uh, more became Christians when Christianity became legal. So um, early Christians are an inspiration to me. I just, I just you know. Um, so being a Christian in America in 2016 is different. We have, we, have, we, we live in a different culture. So non-conforming to, the, to American culture looks different. Um, and I, I would like to suggest uh, a couple of ways that we could we can be, do nonconformity. Um, first thing is uh, we, we need to we need to get get into interaction with the Bible. We we need to read the Bible regularly, or uh, join a Bible study group, or um, go to church. Um, or listen to the Bible on our phone, some way that our mind can interact with the Bible because that's how God transforms us. Uh, He he changes our thinking. So as we interact with the Bible in whatever way, um, God can work on transforming us and then we can recognize, oh, in my situation, this is what God wants me to do. This is what American culture wants me to do, but this is what God wants me to do. So there, there's, lots of, uh, there's lots of helps for this. Uh, there, there's uh, schedules of Bible reading where, where you can read through the Bible in a year. Um, there, there's, um, there's all kinds of helps. And... Um, when when I when I get tired of one kind of interacting with the Bible, then then I, I just choose another another way to interact with the Bible. And uh, there there's a variety of things so I, I, I never never get stuck. So that's the first thing. Um, um, the next thing I I would suggest is I I think American Christians need to start praying for our leaders. Uh, why do I say that? Because we just, we've, we've just come through a really tough election and we've discovered that Americans are polarized. Um, um, we're, we're into politics in a black and white way and um, it's hard for us to communicate with each other. Um, I think if, if we pray for our leaders every day, uh, we can begin to see our, our political leaders as people who need God rather than as heroes or, or demons. Um, so uh, let, let me read uh, what, what Paul wrote to Timothy. First Timothy chapter two. He's cute. First Tim, Timothy chapter two. I, I'm going to start reading in verse one. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, as you make re- your requests. Plead for God's mercy on them and give thanks. Pray this way for kings and all others who are in authority, so that we can live in peace and quietness, in good, good godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior. For He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Um, this this instruction just blows my mind. Um, Paul was asking Christians to pray for people like Herod Agrippa, people like Nero. And that's, that's just amazing to me. But they did it. And we can do it too. We can pray, pray for political leaders that we don't agree with. We can pray for political leaders that we agree with. And um, um, we, we can walk a different step regarding politics. We can be nonconformists. Um, uh, I would suggest um, at, at least uh, that you would pray for your president and your governor every day. Um, and I'd like to take a minute and lead us in prayer for our political leaders right now. Heavenly Father, we all need your mercy and President Obama needs your mercy. Governor Brown needs your mercy. Please give them wisdom and, and guidance in making decisions for our country. I pray in Jesus' name. My final suggestion... Um, I think um, I, well I find myself non-conforming to America regarding safety uh, safety is very important in, in America and uh, sometimes I, I don't follow the culture in being safe um, especially when it comes to loving my neighbors. So when, when I try to love people who are in my life, some people in my life are not good people, but Jesus wants me to love them. Um, some people in my life sometimes are dangerous people, and Jesus wants me to love them. And I... I find that if I give in to fear, I, I just can't love these people. So I, I just tell myself, OK, Jim, you you got to get courage, and you got to do things. Um, for example, uh, many, many years ago, I, I was a pastor in, a li- in the mountains of southern Oregon in a town called Tiller people moved to this town uh, for a variety of reasons. But some of the reasons were they had to get away from people. So they they wanted to be hermits. Um, they had to get away from the police. There were no police in, the, in this town. Um, they wanted to grow marijuana. Um, so there were all, all kinds of reasons. And I, I was the pastor of the of the community church. And I found myself giving funerals for a lot of people that I had never met. So when somebody died in the community, they, they would ask me to do a funeral. Okay, that's fine. But I'd never met these people. So I decided, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside every Thursday and meet all the people in this community. Um... So I I found a a guy in in the church who was retired. He was a retired lawyer. Um, He was was a tough guy. And he he agreed to go with me on this adventure. So every Thursday, we'd drive down a road and turn in a driveway, every driveway we saw. To describe this community, wow. Um, In downtown Tiller, there were maybe two houses. Um, everybody else lived way out. Um, different roads and uh, gravel roads and uh, people would live here. And The rule was if, if you could see your neighbor's house, you were too close. Um, so we'd, we'd drive up and uh, sometimes the people would send their dogs out, out to greet us and uh, uh, sometimes uh, a man would come out with a shotgun in his hand, and uh, we, we, we learned to not be afraid of dogs, and we learned to not be afraid of shotguns. So the man would come out, shotgun in his hand, he'd say, You lost? No, we're not lost. We came here to meet you. I'm the pastor of the community church, and you're in the community, and I wanted to meet you. And so um, what, what happened was he'd put down a shotgun, and he'd invite, invite us to sit on his front porch, and he'd tell us his brand of politics. And uh, it was the, the politics of the uh, people who lived up in the, in the mountains were pretty similar. Um, all of their problems came from Salem. You didn't know that, but you're liberals, according to these guys. And the, the only hope for a decent government was to take the county out of the state of Oregon and become its own state. And um, so, um, and I wasn't there to argue politics. So I, I just listened. But I, I was there to meet these people. Because I, I wanted there to be a connection if they ever needed a pastor. That was my goal. And um, that's why I put aside fear and met every person in the community. And uh, we came out of that adventure. It, t- it took about a year, something like that. We came out of that adventure with, without harm. So that's pretty cool. Um, in the same way, my, my wife closed down a dr- drug house that was right next to our house. She saw all these cars coming up and s- staying a short amount of time and then and leaving. And, um, so uh, she started taking down license plates. And um, pretty soon people were parking their car way down the street and running to the house and, and running back and... Uh, and my wife was walk- They found her walking out to the car, so that she could write down the license plate number. Um, love takes many forms, and um, it's it's love to close down a drug house. It's love for the community. It's love for the people who are selling drugs. Um, uh, but it's dangerous. So. Um, Talking about danger, I'd, I'd like to... And, and she, they, they stopped selling drugs. And eventually they moved away and we have nice neighbors now. It's pretty cool. These are some surprising words from Jesus about the subject of loving people. Matthew 10, 28. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill you. They can only kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So there's this contrast. Here's my neighbor, and, and when I would talk to him, he, he was kind of angry, and, um, but I would talk to him. He can only kill me. You know, I have, I have all eternity. And uh, this, this life is very short. And um, then, so Jesus said, uh, don't, don't be afraid of people who can kill you. Be afraid of God who, who can send your body and your soul to hell. And then he goes on and tells why we shouldn't be afraid of God. Not even a far- sparrow worth only half a penny can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. The very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of God. You're more valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. So, Jesus says, you don't need to be afraid, ever. When when you're, when you're following God, you're, you're trusting God, you don't need to be afraid of God, and you don't need to be afraid of people. Um, I, I I know my words are countercultural, but that's the way it is uh, while we were while I was interacting with my neighbor uh, somebody from my family called me up and said uh, jim I, I'm reading your newsletter and you're letting Muslims in your house we, we, we have a ministry to international students that's dangerous well they, these Muslim business students are they're, they're very nice people you know, and I, I I remember saying, I'm not afraid of my Muslim friends killing me, but i I, I could see my white neighbor killing me, but uh, it didn't happen either so that's good uh, people bring honor to Jesus in unusual ways I, I see bumper stickers that say keep Portland weird um, maybe there's a bumper sticker keep Salem weird I don't know if Salem wants to be weird or not but um, I know we Christians want to be different we, we want to Love in unusual ways, and we want to serve people in unusual ways, and we want to love God. So go for it. Have fun being nonconformist.